Isn't it an incredible thing to be a dad? Those of you dad, oh, come on, dad, you got to help me out. Isn't it the best thing in the world to be a dad? I just love that name. And that video I saw, it, I was like, man, that is great. Because, man, have, that's the way my girls have been my whole life, right? Dad, dad, you know, and it does change over time, you know. Uh, we, in our family, I, if, if you don't know me and haven't been around us very much, I've got four daughters. And uh, all the way from going to be eight in another week, our youngest, all the way up to 23 years old, uh, or their oldest that's married. And uh, it's just the most incredible thing to be called dad. And um, I love it from the eight-year-old dad to the text I received this morning from my oldest, you know. And uh, it is the most incredible thing uh, to be called that. And, uh, you know, dads, um, today, uh, this isn't the sermon, but, but, but just for you guys, for, for you dads, let me encourage you and kind of challenge you a little bit. Uh, there in your families, as a dad, I want to encourage you to love well. Challenge you to love your family well, love your kids well. Love, love them. Model, model what it looks like to live a life of faith to your family, dads. Live Jesus. Let them see you. I'm just blessed that um, I had a dad that modeled this, and I had a grandfather that modeled it for my dad. And um, dad, if you're watching, which he'll be watching at some point today, dad, thank you, and I love you, and I can't wait to talk to you in a little while. And um, I have an amazing dad. And uh, so hopefully today, hopefully you have, and I know some haven't, and, but, but you know, take time today to reach out to your dad, call your dad, love on your dad, make him special. Where, 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 where are my kids? Are they in here right now? Yeah. No, they're not in here. Oh, well, I was going to say, all right, go buy me some good stuff, you know, but um, uh, they already told me they got me some stuff uh, at home, so I can't wait. So this is going to be really short. I got to get home to get to my stuff, so uh, no, I'll just play him. But, you know, um, it is an incredible thing uh, to be a dad. Well, you know, uh, one, one night uh, there was a house that had caught on fire, and a young boy was forced to flee to the roof. The father stood on the ground below with outstretched arms calling to his son, Jump, I'll catch you. He knew the boy had to jump to save his life. All the boy could see, however, was flame and smoke and blackness. As can be imagined, he was afraid to leave the roof. His father kept yelling, jump, I will catch you. But the boy protested, daddy, I can't see you. The father replied, but I can see you, and that's all that matters. You know, we, we've been studying uh, the book of Philippians the last couple of weeks, and we have found that uh, Paul wrote this book from a prison cell. It was through those conditions that he wrote a book that has an overarching theme of living a life of joy in the midst of chaotic circumstances, in the midst of horrible circumstances, that he could write with a heart of joy, as we saw last week, that his imprisonment was for the advancement of the gospel is just an incredible thing. But how does that happen? How does joy happen in those kind of of circumstances. How can you be thankful for being in a prison cell? How can you be thankful to a God to put you there in order to tell more people about him? It doesn't make much sense on the surface, does it? But as we continue our series here today in the book of Philippians, we will see that our faith, our faith brings joy and that how we live out our faith is very, very important. If you open up the Philippians chapter one, we're going to start in verse number 19 here this morning. We're going to kind of walk through the rest of the, the end of chapter 1 here today. 
And um, as you follow along either on the screens or on your devices or on your Bibles over there, um, remember the context with which this is written. This wasn't written over at a resort overlooking a pool, okay? So here, here we go. Philippians 1, starting in verse number 19, says, Yes, and I will rejoice. For I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. Let's stop for a moment. He said, he used the word help right here. Here, here he is in prison. He's writing this. He uses this word help. In other versions, he used the word supply. Well, the Greek word was used to describe what a choir manager would provide for the members of a Greek choir who performed in the Greek drama. We have lots of drama people in here. I've, I've raised four drama queens, you know, but uh, we, we have several that do drama and things. But, uh, you know, he took care that this person that, they're taught, that, that, that is referred to here, this person took care of all of the drama team's living expenses. The word came to mean a full supply of any kind, of whatever is needed. Paul in his prison cell was encouraged that he was going to be getting a full supply of Jesus, a full supply of the Holy Spirit and everything that he needed to get through the situation that he was in. His encouragement again came through the relationships that he had built and invested in, right? This is where we started in the beginning of Philippians when he talked about how his joy comes from this church from the people that he loved, from the people that he invested in, that they fueled his joy. They were part of what fueled his joy in his life. Others helped do this. Paul, ultimately, as, as we're going to walk through this today, and, and, and we're going to see that Paul was a man of faith. In verse number 20, it says, As it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed but with, but that with full courage. Now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. He says this, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. We're going to come back to that towards the end. For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me, yet which I what yet which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I am hard-pressed between the two. He's hard-pressed. Here, think about the circumstances here. He's in prison. He doesn't know whether he is going to be uh, uh, released or whether he's going to be sentenced to death. And the perspective he has right here, that the uh, picture and the words that he used was kind of like he had two walls on each side of him. And they were hard-pressed. And the only way he could do is either move forward or go backwards. He felt that there was no wiggle room in his circumstances. And Paul just, Paul just had a mindset that he was just going to continue walking forward, trusting Jesus, walking in faith here. And he continues. He, he says, though, you know, even though he's hard-pressed between the two, whether it's going to be life or death right here, he says, my desire is to depart and be with Christ. For that is far better. But to remain in the flesh, though, he says, is more necessary on your account. Paul here, he's really being brutally honest, isn't he? We're seeing, Paul, we're, we're seeing Paul's emotions right here. Paul isn't trying to let people think that, that he is always just trying to say the right thing, having the correct thing to say. 
He's letting us see his, that, that, man, that this guy has emotions just like you and I. His emotions were very, very real. It would get old. It would get old, everything Paul had been through. Man, if, if you knew every, if, if, when you go through and read in the book of Acts and, and you see Paul's life there in ministry, I mean, it was not a pleasant experience. Over and over again, he ended up in prison. Over and over again, he ended up getting beaten. He was shipwrecked. He, had, he, he took lashes. I mean, so many things happened to Paul. And Paul here, he said, man, part of me just thinks it would just be a little bit better to be in heaven with Jesus than to continue to go through this. But yet I know that if I'm here, I, 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 he may, God, you, you, you may choose to leave me here for the benefit of others, to continue to pour into others here. His joy, but his joy in Jesus stayed constant in spite of his emotions, in spite of his circumstances. We get the wrong idea sometimes that, that, that showing emotions as a follower of Jesus is a showing of weakness. And it's not. We're, we're, we're all real people, right? I am, I'm a very emotional person. I'm surprised I haven't cried. Well, I almost did cry a few minutes ago. You know, it's just part of, part, part of who we are. He goes on, verse 25, he says, Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. He said there in verse 25, and convinced this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith. Paul kept a mindset on the needs of others more than the needs himself. Isn't that what love is? Focusing on the needs of others or someone else more than yourself. I know, right, there's, if, guys, if you want to have a healthy marriage, you've got to start focusing more on your spouse than on your own needs. You know, we, we, Paul here, he, he was so focused here, so focused on the needs of others and building others up that it just didn't quite matter so much what happened to him. To build up other people's faith so that they could know what it is to have joy in the faith. Faith, living a life of faith. In the, in the midst of a chaotic world is, is again, is essential to experiencing the joy that God has for each and every one of us. It is not only essential, but it is at its very core, the bedrock on which everything is necessary to build upon it in our lives. If we're ever going to be able to live a life of joy, just like Paul did in the midst of these circumstances, then our faith has to be at the center. Faith has to be the thing that we build our lives upon. People talk a whole lot about faith, though, especially around church. Around church people, boy, we love faith. We love our sayings, right? We love our plaques on the wall. We love our t-shirts. We love all the things, faith, right? Why? Because we, we're people of faith. Well, what the heck does that even mean, right? There, there are those catchy sayings, you know, got faith, Faith got me living risky, just faith, live by faith, walk by faith. You have to have faith, little faith, big faith, small faith, large faith, whatever, all kinds of faith. Well, what is it? What, why does faith really matter? What, what is faith really all about? You know, so I, I went and to, went into dictionary.com. It says this right here. It says, when you type in the word faith, it says that it is confidence or trust in a person or thing. It says that it is belief that is not based on proof. 
fidelity to one's promise or oath or allegiance. Kind of an example would be that he proved his faith during our recent troubles. Christian theology, they even had a heading for Christian theology. said, it is the trust in God and in his promises as made through Christ and the scriptures by which humans are justified or saved. These are all pretty good, pretty good. You know, they, 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 they hit on different aspects of what faith is. Paul defined faith in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. He said this. He said, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. Things not seen. You know, conviction of things hoped for. Hope, if, if hope's really hope, hope, hope has to be rooted in something, right? I cannot every year just hope that Michigan is going to somehow beat Alabama in a national championship game. It has to be rooted in something, okay? Alabama, for some reason, people want to go to Alabama in the middle of nowheresville, right? And go, yeah, 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 James over here shaking his head. He's an Auburn fan, you know, yeah. Yeah, but for some reason, all the five-star recruits want to go to Alabama. I'm like, why is that, you know? So I have this hope every year, but it's not rooted in a whole bunch, you know? Our one five-star recruit compared to Saban's 20 just don't quite match up, right? But hope has to be rooted in something, and, and, and what the Bible teaches, faith is rooted, you know, it has hope, and it's rooted in, in, in the things that we can't even see. It doesn't even make much sense, right? You know, the, the African impala can jump to a height of over 10 feet and cover a distance of greater than 30 feet. Yet these magnificent, magnificent creatures can be kept in, in, in an enclosure in any zoo with a three-foot wall. Why? Because the animals will not jump if they cannot see where their feet will fall. You know, the faith that Jesus in the Bible talks about is faith that is ready to be put into action even when the end result cannot be seen. Faith must be lived out. It can't be just something we say, I got faith. It has to be something that has to be put in action. When We, we, we don't know what the next step is. We are just trusting what God said. We're trusting God, taking those steps. Faith, faith, faith is stepping into the unknown. It must be rooted ultimately in Jesus. And in doing so, by understanding who he is, the object of our faith, we can take whatever step is necessary, even when the path is unclear. You know, it reminds me of my kids growing up, you know, and even Molly now. Especially when my little my girls were little, and you'd go into their bedroom at night trying to get them to calm down because they're just going crazy in there, right? They're jumping all over. Many times you tell your kids not to jump on the bed. What are they going to do? They're going to jump on the bed, right? There was one time that uh, Bailey, all of a sudden, man, they're in, uh, I think they were in Stacy and I's room, Bailey and Hannah and some friends, and uh, they were just little, little. Bailey might have been only five or six years old. You always tell the kids, don't jump off the bed. And, of course, what do you, what, what, what's the first thing your kids say? They say, why, Daddy, why? Well, and of course, we tell them, well, because I told you so, right? Just, it's just, because I told you so, you just do what you're told, right? Well, Bailey, you know, because I told you so wasn't enough, and her and her friends, they just kept jumping on the bed. Next thing we know, we hear just a howl from the, from the near, just screams, and I mean, just, and we run in there, and there's blood everywhere, and there's a tooth sitting on the ground. Bailey found out real quick why we kept telling her, don't jump on the bed, right? She didn't believe Daddy right there. But there were many times where we'd walk into the room, 
And then all of a sudden, without even thinking, when they were little, three, four, five years old, where they would jump off the bed expecting daddy to catch me. They trusted, they had faith that daddy was going to be there to hold on to them. You guys experienced that? Moms, dads, yeah, it happens, right? That's what faith is, right? There's what blind faith is. Jesus said, suffer not the little children to come unto me because they actually know what faith is. It's us adults where we kind of get this whole thing convoluted and make it a whole lot more cloudy than what it should be. He just said, just have the faith of a child. Just be willing to step up. Be willing to jump off the bed and trust your daddy. Faith, though, has to have an object, and it's not faith. It is Jesus. If your faith is in your faith, or if your faith is in a religion or a religious system, or if your faith is in your good works, trying to even the scales, or if your faith is in a religious leader, or faith in your parents' religion, or just faith in your parents' religion, then you know what? You're looking in the wrong place for the kind of faith that the Bible talks about. It's faith that is rooted, and the object of our faith is to be Jesus. So faith has an object. But then we have to do something with that faith. It can't be just faith and name only. Faith and name only is something that is contrary to everything the Bible's about, everything Jesus talked about, everything that we see in Scripture. To have faith just to say, man, I know Jesus and I have faith and, yeah, I believe in him, that's great and that's awesome. That's just the entry point. Faith has to be lived out and look here and the way we live it out is important let's go on here it's in verse 27 he says only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of christ so that whether i come and see you or am absent i may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. He, he, he's telling me here, say, walk worthy, walk worthy of the gospel right here. And how do you do that? How is it lived out? In unity together. Church, you got to be unified here together. He says, walk worthy, walk in unity. And he says in verse 28, and not frightened in anything by your opponents. Don't walk in fear. We well, started out by singing that song earlier today, the first one. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation and that from God. For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake. Engaged in the same conflict that you saw and I, I saw I had and now hear that I still have. Walk worthy of the gospel. Paul here is letting the church know that, that the way they live out their faith matters. As we walk worthy, we will walk in unity one in another for the gospel. This church, as we will find out later, just like most churches, just, just it, it, my, this happens because we're filled with people and we're a bunch of imperfect people, right? This church was going through a little bit of division, as we'll see a little bit later on. Some things were going on here, and, and, and Paul here is telling them there is no place for division in his body, within the church. He says you are to walk worthy. You are to walk in unity. And there is joy in walking in unity with others for the faith. Paul instructs different churches here. You can remember he's writing, he, he wrote several books from prison here. 
And, and, and here in a couple other ones, he, he had to instruct other churches in the same way. In Ephesians 4, chapter, one, uh, chapter 4, verse 1, he says, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, he, he's talking about his circumstances, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. To the Colossian church, he wrote this in chapter 1. He says, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. The Apostle Paul here makes a case like he does in other places of Scripture that faith has to be lived out if it's really faith at all. Otherwise, it's just a nice word. Jesus' brother James said it like this. In the book of James, it says, faith without works is what? Do you guys know? Dead. That's right. Faith without works is dead. To say you have faith and not live it out, it makes your faith worthless. Worthless. We do harm to the faith when we don't walk worthy. When we don't walk worthy of the calling that God has placed on his followers' lives. The most powerful force for the faith is a faith lived out, not a sermon preached. It's more powerful than, than anything I could ever say up here is the way that you live out your faith 24-7, 365, everywhere you go. Let others see Jesus in you as a follower of Jesus. Let your neighbors see that. Let your coworkers see that. Let your friends see that. Let your relatives see that. I was blessed to have a grandfather that was like a rock, I'm telling you. He was a man of faith. He lived a consistent life of faith. In my time growing up, uh, uh, watching him, no matter whatever came my grandfather's way, I, I'm telling you what, and he faced some struggles and, 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 and then some stuff within the church that, that our church faced years ago back, back up in the Detroit area. And man, I'm telling you what, I watched my grandfather just be a rock, be consistent in his faith, to walk worthy of the faith. But what hinders us, what hinders the followers of Jesus from living out their faith? Sometimes it's just fear, right? Fear to be called out, you know, fear that, that, that people might think we're different or weird or something like that. Remember last week at the end of the sermon, I was, telling, I was trying to encourage everybody, you don't have to go out and be weird to be a Christian, okay? You can just go out and be a normal person, live a normal life. You don't have to do, go out and talk all these Christianese and stuff like that, right? You can just be a normal person and live Jesus and show others your faith. Don't let fear... Stop you from letting others know that you're a follower of Jesus. Don't let the shame of your past stop you. Don't let sin stop you. Don't let failure stop you. Don't let those little voices when they go in your head and say, you know what, you're not good enough. I know what you did. I know what you did yesterday. I know what you did 10 years ago. I know what you did 50 years ago. You're not good enough. Don't, don't listen to those lies. You know, and, and you might, you know, you might be having an identity crisis or something. You, 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 you might, uh, with, with, with that, you know, you, you might let your identity stop you from being what God wants you to be. But God, God as the good father wants us, listen to this, listen to this. God as the good father wants you, wants me to become in practice what we are in position in him. 
He wants us to become and practice what we are in position. If you have said yes to Jesus and you're a follower of him, he wants you to come into agreement with who he says that you are. When we begin a relationship with him, you know what he does? He takes away, he wiped away all your sin, past, future, and present. He wiped it all away. He wiped away your shame. He wiped away your insecurities and gives us what? He gives us his righteousness. He gives us his goodness. He gives us an identity that is rooted in him. He gives us the standing, and this is so awesome. If, if, if you were a follower of Jesus, he gives you the standing of a son and a daughter. And he's your good father today. This is what we are positionally in Jesus but his desire is it to be more than positional, but in practice. He wants us to come into agreement with who he says we are and to step into that. This is how you and I are able to live out our faith, to know what it is to have joy in our faith. It's an oxymoron for someone to say that they live a life of faith and then they'll live a life that is opposite of it. Let me ask you this, does your walk back up your talk? Does your walk back up your talk? Let's, let, 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 let's double back as we kind of wind this down here now. Back here, Paul said, to live is Christ and die is gain. To live is Christ and to die is gain. You know, what you live for fuels the passions that you have in life. There are some things that I live for. I, like I've already mentioned, I live for Michigan football. You know, I know they're not making it to the national championship game, okay? I'm just resigned to that. One day, maybe. But you know what? I live for it. It fuels my passion. I even, uh, if you know, brown me long enough, and we're coming up to football season, and I'm jazzed up about my Detroit Lions, you know? And I don't know why I am, and I shouldn't be. I should, I'm, just a, I'm just a glutton for punishment, guys. You guys need to pray for me. Um, but, you know, what you live for fuels your passion. Paul knew. Paul lived for Christ. He lived for God. He lived for Jesus. Man, and it fueled him. Put a blank in there. To live is blank and to die is blank. Maybe it's to live is money and to die is to leave it all behind. Or maybe it's to live, for me to live is power and to die is to lose it all. What do you play? What, what you place in that blank, what you're living for makes a difference. Not only here and now, but for eternity. What you live for is magnified. Dads, this should resonate with us here today. Dads, to live as Christ is walking worthy of the gospel so that your kids see Jesus in you whether things are going your way or whether all of life is falling apart around you. Letting your lives magnify Jesus in all times. I have come to understand that through, through the years, in just a, I, sometimes I feel in a limited capacity that ultimately that I am his and that he is mine. This is my heart, right, right really weird, the, the space that I desire to live out of. You know, and sometimes I get it right and sometimes I don't. I promise you, there, there are times I don't get all this right, guys. I'm just like you, just, just walking every day going through life, trying to figure it out. I strive, ultimately though, in, in my life, I strive not to do anything to violate my relationship with God. 
I want to live for him. I want to live, I, I, I want to live to love him. I want to give my whole life to him. Whatever he wants, to just kind of giving him that blank sheet and saying, God, all right, God, you just fill out the rest. Paul ultimately understood that he was in a great situation. You might say, well, he was in prison. But no, Paul, he, he understood he was in a great situation even though he was writing this from prison. For you see, if God so chose to deliver him from that prison cell and for him to live here on earth, he could do that with joy because salvation and following Jesus is as much for the here and now as it is for the future. It's as much for today as it is for heaven to gain. And if God chose to give him deliverance by his life being taken by, 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 by the emperor, then he had heaven and more importantly, Jesus to gain. He was in a win-win situation really as a follower of Jesus here. Perspective matters in life, does it not? How we frame our situations, how we frame things matters. And what a great perspective Paul lived within. He lived in the reality of knowing and experiencing Jesus in the here and now and looked forward to the face-to-face -face meeting that would happen one day. That's where joy is rooted. That's where joy comes from. It is in Jesus, the foundation and the object of our faith, the focus of our faith. So what now? So what do you do with this now today? How do you go out and here in the world as you go out to lunch, as, as you go to work tomorrow, and as you go out to live your lives. Maybe you just need a purpose to walk worthy of the gospel. Maybe you need to reclaim the identity that God has for you in your life and live within that space. To not live a life in shame and regret and fear, but purpose to walk worthy and come into practice what you are in position. Come into agreement with who God says that you are as a follower of Jesus, as his son and as his daughter. Purpose in your heart to do that today. And you know what you're going to have to do? You're going to have to purpose to do it again tomorrow morning. And maybe by lunchtime and maybe by dinner time and before you go to bed and then start it all over again the next day. But purpose say, God, I want to live for you. Live for Jesus. Live for the faith. And in doing so, you will have a life of joy no matter the circumstances. I'm telling you what, if you're not in a trial right now, you might be at, by the end of the day, and you will be at some point, and probably sooner than you think. And when your joy and when your life is rooted in the things of God, and your faith has that firm foundation built upon the love of God and Jesus, man, you can have a joy that you never ever knew possible with heads bowed and eyes closed this morning maybe you're here today and you've never chosen to follow Jesus you've never said yes to Jesus you never said yes I want to follow you maybe you're here today and you're ready to follow Jesus you're ready to take that step you're ready to take that step of faith to take that step and cross that line of faith here this morning You've heard us talk so much. If you've been coming around here, we, we, we talk about the love of God every week around here. Why? Because God loves us unconditionally. You've heard us talk about that over and over again. And that he showed how much he loved us by giving us his son Jesus to die for you, to die for me, so that we could experience this life in him. Here's one of the greatest things 
that's kind of awesome about this God is that he knows you the best. He knows everything about you, and in spite of you, you know what he does? He loves you the most. He knows you best, and he loves you most. And he's sitting there calling to you, saying, just say yes to me today. Step into relationship with me. If that's you, you can pray this prayer right there in your seat or online right there. Wherever you're watching from this morning, you can step across that line of faith and just simply say there in your seat, and say, God, I'm a sinner. I'm messed up. I'm lost without you. Thank you for Jesus and the sacrifice he made for me. I want to say yes to you today. I want to follow you with my life. Take me and make me yours. Amen. If that is you, well, I tell you what, we want to celebrate with you. We want to encourage you in that new relationship you have with him in that in this life of faith. We want to walk alongside you. Would you fill out one of those cards in the back and drop it in the offering box over there and tell us about your decision or find me or one of my team, one of us out front. We'd love to celebrate there with you. There's nothing more exciting than saying yes to Jesus. How is it with you today? Would you stand with us as we close out the service this morning?
the fires in the room. Yeah. It was my doom. 